BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's what? up, STS Nation, and welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime, and sometimes even a best mother, as is the case today. Uh, you guys all know this case inside out, but... Uh, just a very quick recap. Dan Markell, of course, is the Harvard-educated undergrad and law school professor from FSU, gunned down in his Tallahassee driveway back in July of 2014, July 18th to be exact. He actually suffered uh, for a bunch of hours, did not pass away till the next day, July 19th. Nine-plus years later, Charlie Adelson is convicted. He is sentenced to life in prison without parole otherwise known in Florida as life. Uh, life in Florida is life, as attorneys and others like to say. And uh, we just got a notification that he's actually being transferred from Leon County, likely to the reception area in the panhandle. And uh, we're going to hear his own voice uh, momentarily. Uh, meanwhile, a week after Charlie's conviction, Donna Adelson was arrested. And so she now, too, is behind bars. And tonight we're going to examine phone calls that Charlie Adelson made post-conviction, literally starting the day that he was convicted. A huge shout-out goes to Pretty Lies and Alibis. If you don't know Gigi McKelvey, she is an amazing podcaster, has a great show. She dug in on Alec Murdoch. She knows Lori Vallow like no one else, and she is now getting... Uh, interested and invested in the whole Dan Markell, Charlie Adelson, Donna Adelson story. And uh, she is putting up all of the audio on YouTube, on her YouTube channel, also her audio platform. And because she is a rock star, she actually called me and said, hey, could you use some audio? And I said, I would love some audio. So uh, her cl the clips we're going to play are coming to us 
from Pretty Lies and Alibis, Gigi McKelvey, who is a good friend, and I uh, really appreciate it. As far as best guests go today, bottom right corner, Dr. J.P. Garrison. He earned a PsyD in clinical psychology from the Georgia School of Professional Psychology. He's been cited for his expertise in psychology in numerous media outlets, including the uh, including Business Insider, Forbes, Vice, Huffington Post, Yahoo News, Real Simple, Fatherly, and of course, the most important one, STS. Next to Dr. G Explains, which is his YouTube channel. Check it out. Uh, then you've got Dr. Joni Johnston, uh, who everyone says looks like Ashley Judd. My mother said, who is Ashley Judd? I will. She will Google Ashley Judd once the show is over. Joni Johnston is a forensic psychologist, a private investigator, and a crime writer. She's worked in media maximum security prisons for the Board of Parole for the Superior Court of San Diego. She's the author of Serial Killers, 101 Questions, True Crime Fans Ask, and she hosts her own YouTube channel, Unmasking a Murder. And last, certainly not least, sound the calm alarm. Calm is in the house. It's always a little hectic. I was uh, actually doing some um, Dan Markell work. Uh, I was out at a, at a meeting all day. Um, and it was a little tough to prepare the way I like to prepare. And uh, I'm reading a comment here. But I got back in, in the nick of time. And my sweet mother was having trouble getting on the computer, which was the icing on the cake. Carm, you figured it out. All on my own. I'm very proud of you. Carm, uh, for those who don't know, you are a licensed therapist. Uh, where, are, where are you credentialed from, Carm? Let everyone know. I started my graduate work at the University of Illinois, and then I got my master's in social work at the Rutgers University in New Jersey. And then I got some additional uh, courses and accreditations, and that was 100 years ago. 101 <laughs> years ago. Um, and you're still looking great, Carm. So. A couple of quick reminders, please, if you can support us on Patreon, uh, on YouTube as well. If you can't do that, by the way, our audio, we're switching publishers as we speak. So we've gotten some emails, but everything should be copacetic now. Shout out to Space Coast, who's fixing that, but kind of went offline a little bit last night. But we should be good and up and running on all the audio platforms. And of course, the merch store is open. Uh, we're making up uh, CarmCon t-shirts. Um, thanks to our amazing STSers. We're going to have CarmCon shirts for CrimeCon. How about that? Um, Rachel right here with a comment. Hi, STS. Heard some of the calls. These people are ruthless and delusional and learn nothing from the trial. Also, this is my first live with Carm. Can you tell her I say hi from a fellow LCSW? Look at that. Uh, right I, have, I was LCSW. Hmm. Uh, hey, Mona, friend of the show. Hi, STS peeps. Was listening to those calls on uh, Mentor Lawyer. Shout out to Mentor Lawyer. He was on our show last night. Deep dive, true crime. He was up late last night. It's five plus hours worth of uh, jailhouse calls. And not all of them are very clear. And uh, he was working to clean up the audio with his partner, Ladybug. And uh, they did a great job. And I think he's smoothing out the audio. I don't know how he's doing it. Um, and he's going to have another drop. Uh, later tonight on YouTube. So please support Mentor Lawyer, uh, Judy, who we had on last night, Asian American Legal Focus is doing some stuff. Susan Harmon, True Lifestyles, 
and uh, Katie Koo lady, they all joined us last night. They're all working uh, hard to create content on this. Uh, Miss Wee from Scotland says, Carm, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Um, Dr. Joni Johnston, you know uh, killers pretty intimately, not because uh, you live with any, but you've studied them. And um, Charlie Adelson has now been convicted of this murder of Dan Markell. I was listening to as much of this audio, a couple of hours worth as I could. And the one noticeably absent element from all these calls is number one, remorse. Number two, any mention of the victim, never a word. And it's so sad that Dan Markell was, was murdered back then. Uh, it's horrible. I hope they find the killer. Uh, does this surprise you in any way, shape or form? No, it really doesn't. I mean, one of the things I work a lot, as you've mentioned before, Joel, about being in prisons and I'm there on a regular basis. I actually worked in one for a couple of years. And, you know, once people get into jail and then they get into prison, they really do oftentimes kind of go into survivor mode and they start focusing on the here and now. So that's one part of it. So I'm sure he's trying to wrap his head around the conviction. But the other part of it is the, the other thing that was kind of remarkably lacking is I'm innocent. You know, you think they're talking to your family, and if you didn't do anything wrong, you'd be saying things like, how could they convict an innocent person? How could this happen? I, I had faith in the criminal justice system. I thought everything would work out because I'm, I didn't do anything. And so I think that that is very telling, when, you know, when you see that. But this, this is somebody who I think, um, at least hearing some of the conversations between the family, have a hard time sometimes taking responsibility for the things that they do. And so it doesn't surprise me that he would be continuing to focus on external things such as how he was railroaded and how he didn't get a fair trial and, and those kinds of things, as opposed to reflecting on the fact that maybe the reason he's been convicted is because he did some things that were wrong and against the law. By the way, uh, not only is there a huge shout out today to Gigi McKelvey of Pretty Lies and uh, Alibis for sharing some of this audio content with us that we're going to play throughout the show, but also to the COE. Um, she was here and uh, all the, the work and the, the graphics. And by the way, we know Wendy's spelled with an I, but uh, uh, the COE was using a transcription service and they don't know the intricacies, 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 intricacies. <laughs> intricacies of that. So they uh, spelled it with a Y in case uh, you guys start to want to send me a uh, hate mail about that. That's the computer. That's AI's fault. Carm, is AI going to ruin the world before we go a step further, Carm? If we humans let it. Excellent answer. Dr. G, Dr. Joni just made a, a really interesting point. By the way, greetings to Elizabeth, Toronto, Dan Markell's hometown. If I was innocent, but and also this is going to be the fastest 90 minutes of your life right now, if we can last 90 minutes. So buckle in and prepare. You're about to hear the best voice on all of YouTube. Dr. G, Joni made a great point. Um, he's not proclaiming his innocence, but what we're going to hear, some of what he is saying is that jury just didn't get it. Um, people of Tallahassee didn't get it. My sister, why'd she write this book? Georgia Kaplman just tried to, you know, destroy me. Um, does that surprise you? He's blaming, he's pointing the finger at everyone but Charlie Adelson. It doesn't surprise me at all. And I think there's also an element of him, of a big long con here in the sense that he knows people might listen to some of what he's saying. So he's trying to put as much information out there as possible that he can later point to and say, see, look, look what I was saying. I was proclaiming my innocence. So 
yeah, it's it's no shock at all that one, he's not going to accept responsibility, and two, that he's going to be thinking uh, more so than I think Donna probably does about these things about what he's saying out in public, particularly now. Carm, you know, if, if I'm being completely honest here, which I like to be, uh, sometimes I'm too honest with you, Carm. I was listening to this audio. The whole, by the way, it is a very um, rainy, windy day. I'm not complaining about the weather in Miami, but I'm looking at the sunshine in San Diego coming through Joni Johnston's window. And here, um, it's almost like a hurricane-like day. And I was listening to these calls, and I almost started to tear up. I really did, because it is not that I feel sorry for Charlie, but um, I was with people today that are very close to the Markels, and it was it, it's just so tragic all around, Carm. Um, and there's a part of me that thinks that Charlie is um, a, a victim, not a victim, but but part of the OJ syndrome, as I like to call it. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. In his own head, has victimized himself. He believes that he is innocent. Um, I think he's told himself this. And so when I was listening to these calls with his mother and his mother crying, I don't know, it, it was very depressing. It was sad because I feel like it's tragic for everyone. His, Charlie's child, obviously Dan Markell and his children, obviously Ruth Markell and Phil Markell. But every, is this a tragic situation all around, Carm? That's the question. First of all, uh, just first I have to open a parenthesis. You have, you are, you have, you start this session with an advantage. You already heard what they had to say. I have, I am totally clueless. I never heard any of it. But I, la, la, one of the previous times when we met, I said that it's, this is basically, there was a movie called The American, An American Tragedy. And I think this is also an American tragedy. It's a people, you know, prosperous people who are, totally losing uh, sight, you know, of the North with their compass, with their moral compass, and they do atrocious things. And of course, when you forget, why are you listening to whatever you listen to? And you just listen to the content of that particular thing, minus the murder, then of course, your heart goes out to people suffering. But when you think that it's a self uh, inflicted the suffering then you realize it's not as you you cannot be as sympathetic as you would like to that's a you good point good it's a that's a great point but uh dr joni johnson if i was laying on your couch staring at your ceiling right now and i would take my shoes off so i don't mess up the uh the armrest <laughs> um 
And I said to you, I'm feeling really like sad and dejected just because of the just the 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 scope of this tragedy tragedy all around. I have kids, so like I'm even thinking about Luis Rivera, the hitman's children. I mean, they're growing up without a father, Sigfredo Garcia. These kids' lives are all destroyed. Markel's lives, the the boys, uh, and they're going by Adelson, obviously not Markel, which is a whole tragedy in in and of itself. But should I not be feeling kind of empathetic to the entire situation? Is something wrong with me? I don't think there's anything wrong with you, Joel. I didn't think so before before today, and I don't think so now. Um, and, and I think I think that um, you know, listening to people having conversations and listening to families and the way that they're operating. And I think Carm made such a great point that we cannot lose sight of the fact that these are self-inflicted wounds, at least in terms of the people that are involved. And at the same time, I felt similarly. I mean, there were times when I was listening to this, I was thinking about, you know, Dan Markell's kids and the impact this is going to have on them, has had on them, it's going to have on them in the future. They're now losing their their grandmother, potentially. They've lost their uncle. Um, it's, you know, it's like a peek behind the curtains. You know, you see that no matter what the decisions they've made and they've clearly earned the consequences that they're getting, there is real pain and there is real caring between the family members and those kinds of things. And it is hard to listen to that and, and witness that sadness or that shock. I think there was a lot of shock and all kinds of things and not feel some empathy. If, you know, if, we're, if we have empathy as people, we do feel that. But again, maybe that's why I'm a forensic psychologist and not a prosecutor, <laughs> because I can feel that, yeah. you know, in spite of the in spite of the circumstances. And, and at the same time, very much appreciate that the consequences are deserved um, for Charlie and potentially for his for his mom. One hundred percent, a hundred percent. If you do the crime, as the old cliche goes, you got to do the crime. Uh, the time. Big gums here. Uh, Carm, I have to throw this one to you. Uh, you and I were just talking about this. Uh, you know, I've been open about it. My father, my mom's husband of 63 plus years passed away. And part of Jewish tradition, as you say, a prayer called the Kaddish, which I had been saying. And the other day I was very upset, called my mom teary eyed saying I missed my father and uh, went on to a whole bunch of other things about uh an existential crisis about religion, all these things. And Carm wisely said to me, that prayer is not for the dead. It's for you. It's for the living. And it's true. When I go there and I say this, I feel much more connected to my father. Uh, but we talked about this, mom. Am I going to be able to well, see that in the, in the afterlife? Carm, let me ask the question, Carm, then I'll let you chime right on in. But what is the afterlife? That's the question. What is the afterlife supposed to be? For those of the Jewish faith, Carm, because as a Catholic Christian, I would not be offing myself worrying hell is the next stop. Explain it. As as the one closest to the world to come, uh, I I can speak that. Rabbi Carm, go ahead. First of all, this prayer, the Kaddish, you say for a whole year. The The son says it for the whole year. And Joel is in that role, so he every day he races over to to when he can, when he can't, God forgives. But in of course there is hell, and it's called, called Gehinnom. Gehinnom is uh, is hell, and and uh, just like in Christianity, and I'm not expert on Judaism or Christianity, but there is a there is a way of 
making a return, if you are a sinner, to make a return, to atone for your sins. But anyway, I, we will have to consult people who know more about it. I, I truly don't know enough to be a spokesperson, but I know for a fact that just like in Christianity, there is the concept of he- heaven and, and the world to come and hell and purgatory even. I think. Carmen, do you think uh, members of the Adelson family are going to go to that Gehinom, as you let as hell in, in uh, the Jewish afterlife? Do you think that, Carm? Well, one of the things, and now I'm getting into very deep water and all criticism is welcome, but I think there is a way, uh, there is a concept called truva, which is meaning returning to the right way and there, like a redemption type of a thing. And that exists in Judaism that you can atone and return. Now, you will not be forgiven for killing somebody. But um, anyway, there, there, are, there, there is seven years worth of reading on this in the, in the rabbinic commentaries uh, called uh, the Talmud. So anybody who wants to study it is welcome. Who knew, who knew we were going to get into the Talmud tonight, Carm? I never would have expected it. Uh, a, a conversation about religion and philosophy. Carm, can I make the usual joke I make when you start to talk uh, as an expert? No. Because Let me he, please. I tell you what his joke will be. What's the difference? The between- only difference between God and Carmela is God does not know everything. But that's okay. Um, but- Listener says twenty dollars sticker. Carm, you are a gem. I have to agree with that. So to, be careful; it will go to my head, and I don't want to steal the show. Look at this, Brooke Tyler. She does look like Ashley Judd. <laughs> yes, she does. We always get that on every single. Do you get that in the streets, Joni? Rarely. I mean, occasionally I do, and I'm always thrilled to hear it. But I don't see it, and um, not certainly not on a regular basis. Well, maybe, thank, you, thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Brooke. The Jack person looks like her, not her. Like <laughs> maybe that's a good point, Carm. Doctor G. So before we get into the uh, the the cream, you know, the 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 the, the meat and potatoes, is what I was looking to say, my my mind somewhere else. Um, Donna at one point is very upset on these tapes, and Lindsay Shea is sounding the calm alarm there. Um, and Harvey says to her, and this is kind of funny because I could almost see this happening in my own family. Harvey says, "Donna, take another pill." Um, what's going on here? I mean, this family is really kind of like broken at this point, but it seems like Harvey has no recourse no way to even handle this situation and he's just encouraging on these tapes donna take another pill take another pill seems to be the easiest solution for him what do you read into that without knowing the full context i'd say it does sound like that donna and this i think people have spoken to this before including her kids on when during testimony I, i do think that she is a very strong controlling personality so i think that when she really gets going people probably don't really know how to manage it other than just to try to let it go or to try to say yeah take a pill or try to try to let it be because i don't think anybody probably knows really how to chill her out once she gets going so listen so these are all tapes again given to the audio is given to us by uh gg mckelvey of pretty lies and alibis and she's doing all the hard work as his mentor lawyer I mean, going through hours and hours of this stuff and putting it onto their YouTube channels, uh, Pretty Lies and Alibis and Deep Dive True Crime. But this is uh, coming from 
Gigi. So shout out to her. Um, this we'll start with this first clip here, and uh, you'll see that uh, Donna it refers to herself as a nanny, but it's a little out of context. Let's listen to it, and then we'll go around the horn and get everyone's take. By the way, these are all jailhouse calls made from Charlie post conviction. Uh, he starts calling people right after he was convicted the same day. And uh, there are a bunch of different people that he talks to. Let's take a listen to this one. So we've been really good nannies, and I oh, guess yeah. our job is up. Because now the boys are older, they can go out with friends, and they can do things on their own. So she doesn't need grandma and grandpa. Okay, pretty hurtful. I have one son that I don't speak with. I have one son who's close to being dead. And my daughter, whom I love, is doing this. I don't get it. I don't get it. I said to Harvey, I swear to God, our family was cursed. Absolutely cursed. And I don't know how to take care of it anymore. So um, I'm going to replay that. But just to give context, um, Donna is literally referring to her and Harvey as nannies uh, for taking care of their own grandchildren. Um, and she's upset, obviously, with Wendy, who's now shunning them. And we're going to find out a little more about that. Wendy's not talking to her mother now, only via text. This whole family is just cannibalizing itself. I mean, Rob, Rob is the son who is estranged. And the one who's close to being dead is Charlie because he was just convicted. So let's just play it one more time because it's a lot to digest. And then uh, we'll get Carm, we'll get your take first and go around the horn. Here we go. So we've been really good nannies, and I oh, guess yeah. our, our job is up. Because now the boys are older, they can go out with friends, they can do things on their own. So she doesn't need grandma and grandpa. Okay, pretty hurtful. I have one son that I don't speak with. I have one son who's close to being dead. And my daughter, whom I love, is doing this. I don't get it. I don't get it. I said to Harvey, I swear to God, our family was cursed. Absolutely cursed. And I don't know how to take care of it anymore. Our family's cursed. I don't know how to take care of it anymore. Carm, I remember your office well. You and dad, uh, Woodbridge Avenue, Highland Park, New Jersey, the Highland Park Center for Psychotherapy. Uh, may it rest in peace along with dad. Uh, Donna Adelson came in. Now, this keep in mind, this is the week she was, she was taken into custody a week later. Uh, this is before she's taken into custody. For, you hear how broken up she is, Carm, and she says... She she can't take it. She can't do it anymore. Never in my life, not once, and my mother has been through the war, lost a child, lost her. Never once have I ever heard my mother ever say she can't take it anymore. Um, absolute pillar of strength. But what do you make of this, Carmen? Well, that is the first time, always. <laughs> what what do you make of this? Um, I'm gonna put it back up just so people can read no, I, it. I mean, I remember what was written there. Basically. It was like a summation of where she stands. I'm pausing it just so people can read. Go ahead, Mom. I said it's sort of a summation of where she was at that moment when she said all this. And I don't know, did she say this to Charlie or to whom? Who did she say this to? She's speaking to Charlie on this call, but we're only hearing one, one side of the call. That he's almost dead, close to being dead. That's my yeah, that's my understanding. Um, that is my understanding, Carmela. 
What well, you, this is, you know, again, and by this, the way, you hear you hear a woman's voice in the background. I can play it one more time, but it no, is odd. But the, the, these are Charlie's calls. So uh, don't play it again. But it's very said she's cool. also by the way, she's also speaking to Harvey and another woman in the background. So there's a chance because sometimes the calls go in and out. So maybe while Charlie was out of reception, if anyone knows the details of this, please let us know. But this is on the Charlie jailhouse call. So go ahead. Well, I hope she didn't say this to Charlie that he was almost uh, close to being dead. That's not very uplifting for Charlie to say that to him at this moment when he, when he already was um, uh, there for life. But in any case, it, it's, there is no other adjective to use. Uh, I mean, very, uh, very sad, very sad. This is, what, this is what was created and this is the outcome. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. This is uh, what... Here's the, here's the explanation from Maribel's hook. I knew there would be one. The call disconnected. So she wasn't speaking to Charlie at that point. She failed to hang the phone up. So the call got recorded on their end. So she was calm. She was doing what you do. She, was, she kept talking, even though the call was disconnected. Uh, Charlie was not on. She did not know the phone was still recording. Um, Dr. G, to you, in a word, she's a mess. You know, she's an absolute mess. Little does she know in a couple of days, she's about to go into custody. We don't know how far out that was, but she's about to be taken into custody uh, herself. So it gives you insight into her mental state prior to being taken into custody. But just this, I can't go on. You know, my family is a mess. What? What do you say? It's it's a really interesting thing to be focusing on, as Karma was saying, that it's so close to after Charlie was convicted and she's still focused on herself right now, really about how thing how hard things are for her. And it's it's just interesting to me how self-focused it sounds like she is. It sounds like she's I, I presume wanting people around her to feel guilty is certainly what it sounds like. So it, it does show a, a a real focus on herself more than anything else. Mm. Uh, Joni, I'd like to get your take on that call, but this is obviously the most important part of all of this is the Markel boys. Uh, they're going out with their friends, so I'm sure must inform them of who actually murdered their beloved father. They're 13 and 14 now. Um, what does the future hold for these boys, do you think, Joni, in terms of being able to recover from this? Well, I know I've said before on this show, Joel, that I'm a kind of an optimist. I've, I think I have reason to be. I think children are resilient, um, and I, especially if they have people around them that care about them. And sometimes it just takes one or two people who really care about them. It doesn't have to be immediate family. That's great if it is. Um, but it's it will leave its mark. I mean, this is, you know, they have lost so many people in their life and lives, and they're continuing to lose people. I mean, they've lost their father. Now they've lost their uncle. They are potentially losing their grandmother. We don't know what the future is going to hold. And, and, and on top of that, to think about, you know, they are hearing not only that, you know, their 
extended family was involved in murdering their father, but imagine hearing that it was over them, potentially, that somehow it was to get the boys closer to grandparents. So they have a lot, I think, that they're going to have to work through. And I think one of the things I saw when I used to work with kids is kids tend to work through it at different stages, different pieces of it. And so, you know, they may respond differently at eight and nine than they do at 13 and 14. Of course, we all know that 13 and 14 is kind of a tumultuous time oftentimes anyway. And they process it again when they're in their 20s and 30s and 40s going forward. Um, so, I, I, you know, again, I, do I think that their lives are over or anything like that? No. Will this change? Has this changed our lives? Yes, it has. And we'll continue to. Mm. Uh, Dr. G here um, from Matthew Newton. This is a very... Um, Interesting comment. Ugh, her family is cursed. What's wrong with these people? How's it possible possible to be so completely tone deaf? She has one son who's close to dead. What about the Markels? Their son is actually dead. Right. Cursed implies they have no control, right? So the idea, my family's cursed. So this is, it goes back to something that we've talked about on here before, which is the idea of not being able to internalize any responsibility. Everything, everything that goes bad is external. It can't be because of me. It can't be something I did. My family's cursed, I guess, because I have no responsibility in this. Hmm. Um, one of the other, one, Carm, one of the other things that's sort of interesting is Donna is very, by the way, Carm, what would you say to me if I was just convicted and I was in the Leon County jail and I called you Credit to Charlie is that he's not sitting there crying. Um, I would have to think that I would be. I'd be I'd be scared out of my mind, wishing that my mommy could come into that cell and save me. But Charlie is, to a degree, handling it, I think, better than Donna is. But, Carm, what would you say to me, uh, knowing that my life was over? Well, I would say I will always love you, and uh, we will try to find some kind of a way of making it better as you like to say That's and dad right. did that 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 in a buck 50 will get me on a subway but um in other man. words i would try to be supportive of you i would try to console you or whatever the heck i think that's my i don't say my reaction is normal i say what honestly what i my first instinct is that i say that um this is true from hey mona i am thinking about spending listening to these jail calls was not good for me today uh, Dr. Joni Johnston, um, one of the things that, you know, kind of struck me is that is that Donna is really comforting Charlie as a mother would do, as my mom just said she would do. But she's literally telling him, well, what my mom just said, we'll be here, we'll, we'll try to help. But at the same time, she's making plans to leave, to flee the country, to go to a country that there's no extradition where she probably can't do anything to help him. How does that compute? Well, it doesn't compute. And I have to really, really underscore what Dr. G said earlier, because it really did strike me in listening to that snippet of phone conversation that was recorded accidentally, that she is so focused on herself. She really is. And that was so striking to me, talking about, you know, kind of poor me. Not only was she feeling sad, I think she was angry. She's angry that her daughter isn't calling her back. She's angry that these things have happened. And there, again, is that sense of like, 
you know, why is this happening to my family? Well, I think we all know why this is happening to, to, the, to their family because they did certain things and now they're experiencing the consequences and the sense that, you know, so, it, it, and then you're kind of on top of that is this, we care about you, Charlie, we're going to be here for you while I'm booking my ticket to Vietnam or Dubai or wherever I'm going to go. Um, it doesn't compute because you're absolutely right. If she was really focused on Charlie, I mean, I'm not sure how exactly this whole plot started and who masterminded it. That's kind of to be determined. But certainly, um, it's hard for me to think that Charlie was the mastermind initially who came up with this idea. So not only that, she's involved him in some way in, in this plot, potentially. And so there's just no sense that she's taken any responsibility for what's happened or for any contribution she's made to involving or encouraging her son to do these things. And now he is losing his, for all purposes, he's losing his small child. And certainly in terms of having any kind of, you know, ongoing long-term frequent relationship with him, um, his life is, is just is over in the way that he knew it. And there's just no sense to me that she has a, any sense of responsibility or guilt or remorse or anything for anything that she's done. Hmm. Um, Carm, by the way, Dr. G is a huge fight fan. Uh, just a quick break from this show to let you know that uh, I have a new friend. He's going to come down to Miami, and we're going to go to a fight together, and you are welcome to join us at a UFC fight. I know you want to oh, go, Carm. I'm very sorry, but I'll have to turn you down. Mm, you prefer our puzzle. Not once, uh, Dr. G, not once did Charlie say extortion in all those calls. That is the defense, the, the fame, now famous, infamous double extortion plot. Uh, what does the absence of that word tell you as a psychologist? Well, it tells me that that's not on his mind, right? I mean, it's it's obviously if 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 there was a miscarriage of justice and there were things that had happened and just nobody was seeing them, that's all they would talk about. They wouldn't be able to think or talk about anything else. Just like I believe that if Donna knew that Charlie was innocent, she'd be like, "We are we we're going to use every resource we have to get you out of there. We're going to stay put. We're going to fight this thing. Not we're going to." book it to vietnam right so i think that says a whole lot that, that that's absent frankly kelsey whitaker making me feel a touch better knowing i wouldn't be the only one crying on one tape charlie tells donna i only cried a little bit today this comment uh is very striking from pat ferguson who's brave to share this she says my son went to prison and the heartache worry and counting down the days is terrible no pun intended, but a mother does time with them. Uh, thank you for sharing that. In this case, though, there is no counting down the days for Charlie. Um, Dr. Joni, is this true? Uh, you've been inside the prison system to talk to these inmates. Do the, do the parents do the time with their children? They absolutely do, especially the parents who love their children, which is most parents, and, um, and care about them. But I've talked to so many parents, and in some respects— you know, unless they were obviously involved in in the actual crime, which is very, very rare, um, they're victims as well. I mean, they have a child that they had dreams and hopes and visions about, and their child made a mistake, made a bad choice. And now this parent is in that prison cell mentally, spiritually, you know, is they visit them as much as they can. They send them money. They worry about them. They don't know what's going to happen to them. They worry about them getting stabbed or hurt or, you know, I mean, there's all these worries constantly. You know, how can you feel like your child who you love and you've raised and you remember when they were six months old, you know, you're never, you can never feel like your child is safe. You're always worried about something happening. Hmm. Uh, 
Josie Chaplin, hearing Charlie say, uh, Dr. G, that he's always wanted to be a dad, yet that's what Dan was fighting for. You know, he has his own child, a five-year-old son. What about that, uh, Dr. G? You know, he's he's obviously not thinking about, you know, the Markell children losing their father. He's thinking about his child losing his dad. Yeah, insight's probably not his strong suit, so I'm, I imagine he probably never made that connection himself. and he's probably so self-focused it wouldn't he wouldn't feel anything even if you pointed it out so i, I don't imagine i i definitely see the 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 sad uh connection there but i don't think that charlie would likely ever make that connection cow says carm give us your assessment on this assessment donna is the puppet master charlie is the muscle and Wendy, one of your favorite phrases, Karma about me, the master manipulator. You've you've referred to me as such, if we're being honest here, Karma. And then this comment, Donna's the ringleader. Um, what what's your what's your take on this? Is this accurate? Donna the puppet master, Charlie the muscle, Wendy the master manipulator. I think Charlie is the muscle, but not only the muscle, but he has this fantasy of being uh, the the super uh, being Superman that he can do these things. So he's not only the muscle, but he has this self-image, he can do this. And, and Wendy is the manipulator, yes. And Dana is the, Dana has, uh, you know, I used to, it's funny, so I'll tell you this. I used to have a, a sign that says, I'm looking for a country to rule. So, you know, <laughs> I can understand people who like to run the show, but, uh, but, uh, uh Dana really thinks she can she can find a country that she can rule. Oh, uh, this one this one's in your this one's your wheelhouse too from Chris Landberg. How can Donna be so adamant about her Jewish religion that it cost her her first son? She was upset that he married uh, wanted to marry an Indian woman, a relationship with him, yet use her Jewish religion in such a nasty way against Dan, threatening to dress him up. Carm, you're a Holocaust survivor. She threatened to dress these kids up in Nazi uniforms. Well, we went over this before. Uh, she. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Her Jewishness is, her Jewish identity is strange. But she's not the only one who has a strange Jewish identity. And her Jewish identity is um, messed up, really messed up. Uh, we know that in Judaism there are different degrees of religiosity. 
she could only tolerate her level when then went further towards uh, uh, religiosity that was against her rules and against her requirement and she sabotaged it and uh, on the other hand the other son went further to the other side of of uh, uh, judaism not being as important to him as to her so she sabotaged him too if if you weren't exactly doing the right level of judaism uh she would and and nobody does the same thing you know that in judaism even even in judaism itself there is this saying that people are either getting more religious or less religious it's not a stable thing and so she couldn't deal with if they weren't exactly on the same level of the, of the ladder going up or down where she was exactly if they were higher or they were lower it wasn't good enough for her it's like a pendulum jacqueline says i'm with joel i can't process the magnitude of this family's actions i'm trying but i can't get there yet um and this is an interesting bit of insight from patty g friend of the show always on here on the recordings charlie's feeling sorry for himself just like donna he called his son's mother and never asked about his son um dr g you just gave a bit of a grimace how come it's just, it's so hard for me to fathom that because I, I mean, we all value different things in life, but being a parent for me is the most important, no question. So the idea of being in prison for life and calling the mother of your child and not asking about them is just unfathomable to me, really. Mm -mm. Yeah, I would have to agree. So this is another uh, bit of uh, these five plus hours worth of calls. Let's take a listen to this together and uh, we'll break it down. Here we go. I can't. I'm not that strong, and I also know how he, in a year and a half, his body and everything just slowly started to deteriorate. I'm old. I have a life. We had a great marriage. Happy. We traveled. We lived good. I really am not unhappy, and I'm more than willing to just say goodbye and let me lie down. It's nothing painful. I just want to go to sleep. We bought our cemetery property a couple months ago. We're good. I'm good. Because I had I said something that made her feel like I had enough, and I'm not going to watch. If the trial doesn't go well, I know what I need to do. All right, so Dr. Johnston, uh, she's literally uh, it sounds like she's given up. She's just flat out saying, "I'm not that strong." Um, you know we had this conversation in our house about buying cemetery plots um they're obviously talking about having bought those and at the end she says well i know what i need uh to do now how do you interpret this um joni johnston well she certainly is giving a lot of indicators that she's thinking about suicide there's no question about it i mean she's talking about the past tense i had a great marriage we've traveled we've done all these things i'm ready to say goodbye i'm putting things in order um you know um i'm i'm ready i i know what i need to do now i mean obviously as a clinician you'd be like well what what is that what are you thinking about are you thinking about killing yourself or are you think you know I mean, that's where we'd go or where i'd go certainly so um it also sounds like she's feeling, in some respects, I'm not sure I understand this one piece that says, um, said something that made her feel like I had enough and I'm not going to watch mm -hmm. go. I'm not sure if that's just a misinterpretation or kind of an odd um, 
part of the recording or if she's talking about something that Wendy said that is upsetting to her. But the, the big picture, I think, is yet what I'm hearing is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I've just about had it and I'm thinking about suicide. And uh, the COE is letting us know this is also kind of a hot mic moment where Donna is just sort of speaking out loud in essence to herself. Let's listen to it one more time. And uh, Dr. G, we'll go to you and end up with with Carm here. Here we go. I can't can't put it. I'm not that strong. And I also know how he is a year ahead. His body and everything just slowly started to deteriorate. I'm old. I have a life. We had a great marriage. Happy. We traveled. We lived good. I was brilliant. Not unhappy. And I'm more than willing to just say goodbye. It doesn't painful. It's just a good place. We bought our cemetery property a couple months ago. We're good. I'm good. What went into this weekend? Because I had I said something that made her feel like I had enough and I'm not going to watch it. If the trial doesn't go well, I know what I need to do. Uh, Dr. G, I know what I need to do now. Is that uh, implying that you need to, you know, go uh, end her life? Certainly concerned me because it sounded like she said, and maybe I, I, it was a little hard to hear, but like if, if it doesn't go well or something like that, I know what I need to do. It sounded like that's what she said. But point being is that, yeah, I mean, I deal with people all the time that, have where you're concerned for their safety. And this certainly would be a situation where I'd be concerned. And what's really fascinating about this is I presume this is what was referenced during her hearing that was a couple of days ago. It was on Monday, I think. And she just acted so shocked when they brought this up, when they detailed this. And she was just like looking really surprised and acting, rolling her eyes, basically. So to hear it, it's exactly as they described it, really, which is very concerning. Yeah, and I think there was other recordings um, where it was even more um, explicit, I guess. Carm, you're, uh, you're closest in age to Donna. What do you make of this? I juxtapose this with her buying the ticket to, to Dubai. You know, it's like this was, this was one mood piece. That was another decision. And, and to me, um, the 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 fact that she bought those tickets, she wasn't ready to lie down and die. You know, I think that happened. The tickets to to uh, Vietnam happened uh, after this statement, and I'm sure that she had this this feeling, and then just kind of picked herself up and decided uh, maybe maybe it's better to just leave. And it looks like she has a relationship with Harvey and feelings for Harvey. And the fact that she was going with him, it wasn't like she was going alone. I think that she uh, was, an, uh, I said that before, I'll say it again. It, these are mood pieces. This is what she felt at that moment. And then she felt something else afterwards. Um. Dr. Johnston, to you, uh, some of the things, and these aren't on the recordings that we're going to play uh, explicitly, but Charlie says at one point, I'm paraphrasing here, um, I don't think everyone has a fair shake in, in Tallahassee, he said. He's talking about the jurors. We talked about this uh, off the top. Uh, he says, I'm not suicidal. And then he goes on and he says, George's closing wasn't fair. It was just these text messages, emails, and autopsy photos. They, meaning the jurors, 
were eating up everything she was saying. I thought that they would see through Jeff LaCasse and Ryan Fitzpatrick. They're two witnesses who testified against him. Um, what about that? Um, he's just incredulous. Um, it's everyone but him and his family. Everyone but them. That's absolutely true. I mean, that is a consistent theme, at least through the, the, the um, phone calls I've listened to, just a recurring theme. And I think that in this particular um what he's talking about here is absolutely, I'm going to be focusing on what went wrong, how the jury didn't understand me, how it was, you know, the jury was duped. Um, Tallahassee, I was never going to get a good trial in Tallahassee. It's all focused on, you know, these are the things that went wrong, not the life choices I made. It went wrong. It's, these are the things that went wrong. We had the wrong jury. We were in the wrong um, city in Florida. Um, they, you know, the, they, the, jury, the witnesses duped them. It's all about other people. I'm a victim here. I'm a victim of circumstances. And I, I, if you don't, can I point one thing out also? To, 100%. To, you can point 50 things out. <laughs> so I, I think also Charlie probably took it very personally that his performance wasn't good enough because he really performed hard during mm -hmm. that trial. So I think that the idea that that was rejected probably bothered him quite a lot. Carmel remember the story. So before going into broadcast news, I actually have a master's in education. I work for a Head Start program on 200th Street in Manhattan. And uh, up there, the yellow cabs are undercover police cars. That's how you know you're not in a great neighborhood in New York City. And my assistant teacher, I was like 23 at the time. Remember her? Her name was Jeanette then, T-H-E-N. She was Dominican. And uh, she was a woman um, of stature. Uh, Rubenesque, as Carmela would say, and her and I got along fantastically well. I loved her. And I would say to Jeanette, because I had tons of questions at the beginning of the school year, I would say, Jeanette, can I ask you a question? And she would snap her head around and go, ask two. So Dr. G, that goes back to you. If you can add something, you can ask, two, you can add two or three things. Um, from Connie, Dr. G, back to you on this one. From Connie, don't you think a lot of the problem in this family is that Donna had to control everything and everyone. And now I'll put in the word, ironically, she basically has lost all three of her children. She's obviously dealing with a complete loss of control. It, that's true. But you also have to have the other personalities in there to make it all work that dysfunctionally, right? Like Charlie was impulsive and made bad decisions. His judgment was not good. And that goes well into other things outside of just this murder. So I think it's a constellation of the wrong types of people together, included with with likely with this, that she certainly seemed like she needed control. Mm. Uh, by the way, shout out to uh, Catch Lisk. Uh, he is all over. I don't even know if it's a he or she, but I always assume it's a he for some reason. Um, but Catch Lisk is all over the Long Island serial killer case. He's in the chat um, or she's in the chat. So shout out to Catch Lisk and check out Catch Lisk for a lot of information on what's going on. In that case, Adam Lamparello, friend of the show, is always in here, the contrarian point of view. I am not convinced, he's an attorney, I am not convinced that Donna had anything to do with it, yet everyone is so quick to condemn. Show me the evidence. Um, Dr. G, you're shaking your head, yes. Are we sometimes too quick to judge? There's a huge, the court of public opinion has uh, become um, exponentially greater with social media, has it not? De definitely. I mean, I, I think that we've all got our own takes on it. We all have a lot of, I, I guess we all have different uh, degrees of what we would consider compelling evidence. I think that 
a lot of the conversations that are now released with from uh, Donna certainly seem like that I think are pretty compelling, but I do get that, uh, you know, not everybody's going to agree with this. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Johnston, this is an interesting question from Kenneth Hamilton. Do you believe that the Adelsons may have committed other crimes? Individuals usually escalate in criminal activity and not usually arrive at murder without prior crimes. No, we know that Charlie was illegally dealing steroids and doing small things, Dr. Johnston, you know, which some might not perceive as small, like lying on auto title when selling cars. But what about that? Um, do people generally start with murder or they work their way up as Kenneth is uh, implying? Well, I think it depends on the situation and what, you know, what the murder is or what the, what the violence is. So for example, when we're talking about serial offenders or serial murderers, we do oftentimes see an escalation and a gradual increase in level of violence. They might, that person might start with exposure or fetish burglaries and those kinds of things, and then work their way up to rape and murder and those kinds of things. When you're talking about, um, in some respects, a situationally driven murder, meaning I don't really believe if this situation had not been what it was. In other words, if they had been able to give Dan Markell a million dollars and he had said, fine, I don't, I'll take a million dollars. I'll go down and see my sons whenever I want to. I'll use the money to fly down every weekend or whatever. I don't imagine they would have ever murdered anybody. So I think when you have situations like this, where you have a situation, I'm not saying the situation is what, is what caused it. They're responsible for their choices in the situation. Because most people could be in a horrendous custody battle and they would never think I'm going to murder the person I'm in this battle with or that I'm fighting over. But what I am saying is I do think this is a situationally precipitated murder. And in those situations, we don't often see a criminal history or somebody who's engaging in a bunch of other things. Although sometimes we do see things like illegal steroid or minor offenses. Um, this is something that came up the other day. Uh, I forget who the guest was, but they were talking about how Donna might be angling for some sort of incompetence. But the but listener here has a question, Dr. G. Since we have great psychological knowledge on the show today, can Donna claim to have a mental illness and plead not guilty by reason of insanity? Hell no. <laughs> There's like that makes no sense in the context of what we've seen from her. Really, for to be to be not guilty by reason of insanity, you genuinely cannot know the difference between right or wrong during the commission of a crime. So that would be almost impossible in this situation. I can't make sense of how they, somebody could even truly try to argue that, um, you know, because it takes a pretty severe mental illness. Even if you fake it now that you, you know whatever mental illness. I, I heard from some legal experts who were talking here about situation that what counts is at the time of the commission of the crime, the, if, if you were okay or you were already um, having major symptoms. Well, and now when we're seeing her during her hearing, she clearly understands everything going on now. So she certainly seems competent to be, participate in her own defense. She was reacting to literally everything. So I think anybody trying to suggest she has diminished capacity is going to have a really hard time. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. Venus Gal says... It's a bad name to older people by uh, trying to prove that she has diminished capacity. <laughs> Karm, uh, from Venus Gal, what does the Jewish religion, Rabbi Karm, say about suicide? Is it forgiven, allowed, honestly asking? They want to know. Suicide is not permitted. <clears throat> 
listen, I'm not an expert. And if any rabbis come after me, you have to defend me. But suicide is not permitted. And if you, if you uh, commit suicide, you cannot be buried in, in a Jewish cemetery. Mm. So, so they find like attenuating circumstances to squeeze you into the Jewish cemetery. Same thing with tattoos. You're not supposed to be buried with tattoos, but uh, they find a way, find a way around it. Um, we're going to go to the next piece of sound, but Dr. Joni Johnston is uh, the expert here on inmates. Charlie, at one point during these conversations, uh, Joni says that he ran into an inmate in the Leon County Jail, who this inmate had been locked up for 15 years, he says, on the calls, but he knew everything about Charlie's case, and Charlie was concerned about that. How did this guy know everything? That's not surprising to you, right? I mean, high-profile cases, uh, word gets around the street quickly, doesn't it? By the way, before you answer, yeah, yeah real quick, Dr. Joni, we're doing absolutely, a show right absolutely. after this. They, they talk to their friends, they talk to their family members. Um, now, especially since COVID, many of them have tablets in their cells and have communication all the time. So they know what's going on. Yeah, they 100% do. Let's play this piece of sound. I was just going to look at this. I love Carm from Angel Baby. Um, you too, right, after this, right after this show, we're doing a show um, on digital forensics. We have a Tallahassee-based digital forensic expert along with two others. And uh, we're going to be doing a show about what does the seizure of these devices mean uh, for the investigation. Tomorrow, we're going to play all these calls, but I'm going to play these for uh, retired FBI agent Scott Duffy and America's most respected detective, Phil Waters. And we're going to examine these calls from an investigative standpoint, not a psychological standpoint. And we're going to see what they tell us. What do these calls say for the investigation? So that's going to be tomorrow at five. Let's play this call. This has to do with Charlie being isolated. Stand by. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You're doing the complete opposite of what I would need to have done. Right. I know. All right. It sounds like if it's not today, they'll do it tomorrow, you know, but hopefully today. Uh, one more time, we'll play this here. Charlie is just talking about how he's isolated, how he's used to he's talking isolated. to people. Here we go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're, you're doing the complete opposite of what I would need to have done. Right. I know. All right. It sounds like if it's not today, they'll do it tomorrow, you know, but hopefully today. Just isolated. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. Sorry, yeah. I wanted to pause that to get the words in. 
There we go. So, uh, Dr. Johnston, he's going to have to get used to this because I've also heard from former inmates that we've had on the show that he is not going to be in Gen Pop for a very long time because he's got a target on his back. He threw the Latin King gang under the bus uh, as the double extortion plot um, stated. And he's also Jewish, which doesn't help you in prison. And he's also a person of privilege. So he's got a lot of targets on him. How is he going to adjust to this? And the second part of that question is, when is when does the realization, he said in these calls that it almost feels like a dream. It doesn't feel real to him. He wakes up. When does it really settle in? How long does that take? So a couple of things. One is, you know, from talking to many, many inmates, what I typically hear is that jail can be worse than prison in some respects, Mm -hmm. because in a jail cell, it's temporary. People are there for various reasons. They have a court hearing, they're waiting for trial or whatever, and they often are more isolated. I don't know if he is in on suicide watch or, you know, some kind of precaution here, and that's why he's so isolated, or it's just for for his protection. But when he goes to prison, um, he is likely to have actually, again, depending on the circumstances and the population that he's with, he'll go to probably reception next, and they'll do a lot of evaluations on him, try to figure out, you know, his his strengths, his weaknesses, what his risks are. They try to pick the right prison for him, and he'll go through that process. And so they'll try to send him somewhere where he will be able to function in general population. Um, and then they'll have to kind of see, you know, how that works. Um, so, you know, as ironic as it is, we think of prison as being much worse than jail. And it is in terms of often the length of your sentence, but it not, isn't necessarily in terms of the, uh, being able to go outside and um, being able to socialize and those kinds of things. Um, and then the second question was, refresh my memory, Joel. What, when, when is it going to settle uh, in for him that this is my life now? <laughs> So what what I hear consistently um, from people who've been in prison for years and years and years is that first year is the worst. It's absolutely the hardest. And what tends to happen is there's this sense of kind of fog. Now, this, again, depends upon the age. I should say that. So sometimes you have, you know, these kids, I call them kids because I'm. I was a kid many, many years ago (laughs) who were in their early 20s, for example, and they get in and they're, you know, they're kind of macho at the beginning. Reality hasn't set in. It takes them a couple of years to really understand that. Um, But I think certainly for somebody Charlie's age, I think the first year will be the hardest for him because it's just, it is, it's unbelievable to me, you know, having been in, in in so many different ones, the lack of freedom that you have and the lack of privacy that you have. And so, so many people will say that first year. So usually a couple, after a couple of months, reality starts sinking in. You start getting into a routine and then you start realizing this is my life. And, you know, you know, when we used to do suicide risk assessments, if, if this was a first year or first offense, that person went up the list in terms of their risk. And it was for that very reason. There's a sense that I can't survive this. If this is the rest of my life, forget it. And then if they make it past that, and of course most do, they find a way to survive and make the most of where they are and the time that they're going to be there. Mm. Uh, They say he's going to come out of a Florida state prison in a pine box, which is really scary. By the way, at this point, he is in um, direct observation. They put him, he claimed he wasn't suicidal, but that's where he was during this call, as far as I understand it. And uh, I, I remember Donna at one point says to him, Charlie, when are you going back to your private cell? Which was just the way she worded it was kind of funny. Like it was some kind of like private little room he had on a, on a wing there. But Dr. G, there's a question here for you and then we'll get your reaction to this sound too. Um, from, we have to cover Carm for this. I apologize from Helen. 
Uh, Dr. G, isn't it true that some people paint themselves into a corner by their bad behavior until they see suicide as their only option? Sometimes. And there's certain personality types like narcissists can be get a little bit, they can become unpredictably suicidal. So you have to be careful with them when they get to a place where they've lost all control. So that, that certainly can happen. But most people have, a, a, they, prefer, they, they pursue balance. So even in situations like prison, they sort of eventually accept it and then are, are used to their new normal. It's not, it doesn't, doesn't mean they're happy in it, but um, yeah, so some, sometimes people turn, turn to that, but it takes a, a certain personality type. Uh, Wesley John Holmes, originally from Australia, uh, now living in Tokyo, saying Donna was incompetent well before this, Joel. Uh, there you go. Uh, let me uh, just play this one more time, and then we'll get Dr. G's take and Carm's it's take, and then we'll move to the next piece of sound. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's like yeah. You're, you're doing the complete opposite of what I would need to have done right. in this situation. Right. I know. <laughs> All right. It sounds like if it's not today, they'll do it tomorrow, you know, but hopefully today. Uh, Dr. G, your take. This is a guy who, even when he had his freedom, sounded very impulsive and stimulation seeking. So he always needed something to do and, and things to stimulate him. So the idea of being isolated probably is truly painful and awful for him. So I would imagine that it's that situations like this are about as challenging as they get for somebody like Charlie. Carm, your assessment of this? I I hear her trying to soothe him or console him in just in her tone of voice. Uh, it will be better tomorrow. No, it will not be better tomorrow. But she says it will better to, tomorrow. Be, but hopefully today. So Carm, she, is, she try, is she trying to convince herself more than she is Charlie at that point? Well, yes, probably yes. You're right. It, it, I'm, I'm very curious already for you to put up the thing about Dana. Are you going to plan to do that? Not Dana, Wendy. We're getting there, Carm. I build up to it. I build up to it. I'm okay. getting there momentarily. But first, um, to you, Dr. Joni, this is, uh, I know it's tough to answer this because she's not a patient, but um, how would the panel advise Wendy today if asked? If Wendy came to you from a psychological perspective, Dr. Joni Johnson said, my family's in a mess. I'm in a tough spot. What do I do? Uh, what kind of advice would you give her, if any? Wow. I mean, <laughs> I honestly think she's going to need more legal advice than psychological advice at this point, which I think is what she's pursuing. Um, <laughs> You know, from a psychological standpoint, I think she has a lot of things that she's going to have to work through over the years, and hopefully she's going to have some time to do that, and we'll take the opportunity to do that. So I'm not sure. I mean, I would certainly talk a lot about her children and making sure they're taken care of and just the impact that it this whole thing is likely having on them and probably focus her on something mean, meaningful in her life, which, you know, is her children, I'm assuming. Um, and also just, you know, I would want to explore, I think, how she's feeling about her other, her family. And, you know, if she's, but if she's asked me for advice, again, I can't, I'm not sure what advice she'd be asking me about. Um, you know, if she's involved in some way, is she going to ask me, should I come clean? Well, again, that's more of a legal issue than a psychological one. She may be able to want to talk through the pros and cons or her conscience or her values or what those kinds of things. But 
um, there's some very real world implications for that. So I would certainly want her to make sure she's thought that through from a legal standpoint as well. Uh, Dr. G, anything that you would be able to offer up, Wendy, psychologically speaking? I think that the best thing for anybody in her situation would be whatever can make life more predictable, right? So planning for as much as possible right now, you know, whether it's for her kids or for herself, but it, trying to make things a little more predictable is going to make her feel a little more sane right now, but that's pretty much it. I mean, beyond that, you know, as Dr. Johnson said, uh, legal advice is probably where she's really going to need to spend a lot of her time right now. And that probably will actually make things more predictable. So that's, mm -hmm. that's probably the way to do it. Hmm. Um, let's go to this next piece of audio. This is inching towards closer towards uh, Wendy's involvement. We're going to get to a couple of big uh, pieces of sound in just a moment. Let me just pull up this. Look at this, a super sticker. No, it's a member uh, for two months. Car karma for the Adelsons, not Karm. Karma for the Adelsons will be Wendy is arrested. Karma, I never realized your name has Karma. We Here just added this A and that Karma. And your Karma. Here we go. Here's some more sound. Here we go. So I wrote this last night. We know you never ask anything about your brother. This is 8 o'clock last night. But we just got off the phone with him, and the first thing he asked was, how's Wendy holding up? I didn't have the heart to tell him that you never called us or asked about him. I just said, we weren't up to phone calls right now. Everyone looks to protect you. I bet you've got a lot to think about. But then she didn't answer. So the way i understand this and sts nation correct me if i'm incorrect and again i was uh running around most of the day dealing with some uh dan markell stuff behind the scenes but uh which i will reveal at a later date and by the way next wednesday uh there's going to be uh ruth talking about the um about trial life um perspective on trial life wednesday in person in south florida with Ruth Markell, Dennis Murphy of Dateline NBC, and Dave Arenberg, the Florida State Attorney for Palm Beach County, will be a live uh, talk and a meet and greet afterwards uh, at JAFCO, J-A-F-C-O, J-A-F-C-O. They do amazing work in uh, fostering children who uh, have you know difficult upbringings or don't have proper parental care and things of that nature. Uh, this. The COE is letting us know. This is the hot mic. Speaking to Harvey and an unknown woman. This is a hot mic. She's speaking to Harvey and an unknown woman. Let's play it one more time here. So I wrote this last night. We know you never ask anything about your brother. This is 8 o'clock last night. But we just got off the phone with him. And the first thing he asked was, how's Wendy holding up? I didn't have the heart to tell him that you never called us or asked about him. I just said, we weren't up to phone calls right now. Everyone looks to protect you. I bet you've got a lot to think about. But then she didn't answer. Dr. G, so the way we understand it, Wendy and Donna now, as his family com continues to fall apart, they're not talking, they're just texting. So this is... Um, you know, presumably a text exchange they had, your insight into this. If I was 
Wendy, I would probably be afraid of things that Donna might say because she has said things in emails and over. I mean, clearly she's not that careful. So this is the what third hot mic we've heard now. So uh, <laughs> I, I would think that if I was Wendy, I would just not want her to say anything. So whether or not she's keeping distance for another reason, I think if anything else, if, if nothing else, the first place my mind goes is that Wendy is probably afraid she's going to say something that is going to later cause problems. Because like there was an email at one point that said, something like, you know, to something about acting on the stand or something. I can't remember the exact quote, but there were definitely times that Donna said things that caused problems for them. Yeah, and this so comment here uh, echoes what you're saying. Donna's reckless behavior is what is going to get Wendy arrested. And we're getting to another piece of sound. Uh, Dr. Johnston, what about this? She's talking about this text she wrote to, to Wendy uh, last night saying that you never asked about your brother. We just got off the phone with him. The first thing he said was, how's my sister holding up? Um, what about this family dynamic? Well, I think, as Dr. G pointed out, I definitely think that she's in survival mode and protective mode. And so I'm sure she is concerned, perhaps, about her mom saying something through text or certainly on the phone that could put her in jeopardy. And there is obviously some evidence that that could be the case. I also think that um, I have to say I felt a little bit... Um, for Donna in this situation, because, you know, she's reacting as a mom. She's not reacting as, uh, you know, a, a potential co-defendant or, you know, somebody in a bad legal situation. She's kind of saying, hey, what about your brother? Your brother just got convicted um, of murder and you aren't reaching out to him. So I think there is a disconnect between probably where, what Wendy's thinking about and what she's focused on which is not endangering herself and making sure she has her boys at home and she's there and she's not charged with anything. And her mom, who is is basically saying, you need to act like you're part of the family. You need to show your concern. Act like a loving sister or a loving daughter. Um, and so I think there is a disconnect there. Jay says, I believe 13 children have lost one or both of their parents because of these selfish monster Adelsons. I have absolutely no sympathy for any of these Adelsons. Carm, uh, I know can you're I, sharp. Can I tell you something interesting that I, maybe it's my fantasy. Uh, I think in, in the previous uh, thing that, that you read, that we all read, I think Dana is also trying to lay guilt. Mm. To what end, Carm, to what end? Well, that's her modus operandi. That's that's what she does to get her to kind of get her children uh, to to gather around her. Doctor uh, G, is that, is that a common tactic, Doctor G, to uh, guilt your children? Sure. If if you care more about how you feel than they do, I mean, you know, I, I would say for sure. So yeah, that I I I read it the same way or heard it the same way. I would add and, to uh, that just that there is this there is this undertone of look at what all we've done for you that kind of comes through in that text and, and other, other things she said on the hot mic that we've ever heard. There is this constant sense of we've sacrificed these things for you. Look what we've done for you. How could you be treating us this way? Mm. Um, I'm just looking for something that Gigi sent me on this, but let's play this next one. And uh, this is where some people are hearing a couple of different things and uh, sorry, let's listen here. Um, and COE, remind me of uh, the two different things here that uh, Gigi flagged us on. But let's listen together and we'll uh, figure it out together. 
and it's muted, so stand Dear by. Mom, she says this morning, I thought she'd be racing over here last night. Yeah. Dear Mom, I know you are upset by the verdict, but the anger directed at me is not justified. I don't know how much anger we don't. I'm not responsible in any way for Charlie's situation. I am not guilty because I did not do anything wrong, and I was not involved in any way with Danny's death. When I was interviewed by the police and testified in court, I told the truth as I was required to do. I cannot control how the prosecutor used my statement to Charlie's trial. Again, I didn't say that. Also, as you know, my, I do know, my lawyer has advised me not to talk to my family or anyone else about this case. Now, about the case, which is true, we've never done it. I followed his advice despite your disagreements with this guidance. Please do not text me about this case anymore. Dr. Joni, this is the line right here. We'll go back and play it in a minute where she says, didn't say, didn't say she was when she says involved. But some people are reading it as uh, differently, saying that, you know, I said she was something along those lines where she's basically incriminating her there in that line. Mm-hmm. But what do you make of this whole cloth, just the, the whole context of this, Dr. Joni, at first blush? Well, I, I heard her, you know, my interpretation was that she said, I didn't say she was because further down in the, in the um, recording, she says, again, I didn't say that implying that she was not implicating her in anything. So I didn't feel like that she was implicating um, her daughter in, in, at least in this conversation. Um, But I think what was interesting to me, I think is about the tone um, that Wendy takes in here which is just, again, like almost like a stranger or, or somebody who's in a legal situation as opposed to talking to her mom. I mean, I, I absolutely understand, you know, where Wendy's coming from and that she it's difficult for her. Um, at the same time, I don't think it would be um, particularly dangerous for her to text her mom and say, um, you know, tell Charlie I'm thinking about him hmm. or tell Charlie I'm sorry about what happened or whatever. I'm, I, you know, I feel bad for him or whatever. Um, so I think it's just interesting because it, to me, it's it, what I hear is Wendy is not just physically distancing herself from her family. She's emotionally distancing herself from her yeah. family and feels a real need to do that at this point. Uh, th- this is probably one of the most explosive and um, potentially incriminating pieces because what a lot of people are hearing, there's a little typo here, but our transcription showed two options. When Donna gets that line, she says, let me say she was versus didn't say she was. Other people like Tatted Tara, Tatted Tara says, I heard, yes, she was, yes, she was, followed here by, I thought she said, yes, she was. Let's listen to this one more time for that one line. Dr. G, tell me what you hear. Here. This morning, I thought she'd be racing over here last night. Yeah. Dear mom, I know you are upset by the verdict, but the anger directed at me is not justified. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. 
I don't know how much anger we don't. I'm not responsible in any way for Charlie's situation. I am not guilty because I did not do anything wrong, and I was not involved in any way with Danny's death. When I was interviewed by the police and testified in court, I told the truth, as I was required to do. I cannot control how the prosecutor used my statement for Charlie's trial. Again, I didn't say that. Also, as you know, my, I do know, my lawyer has advised me not to talk to my family or anyone else about this case. No, about the case, which is true. We've never done it. I followed his advice despite your disagreements with this guidance. Please do not text me about this case anymore. Dr. G, so this this is the line right here. Um, And I was not involved in any way with Danny's death. This is Wendy uh, saying this and Donna responding, saying didn't say she was, but some people are reading it as Yes, she was. What do you hear there? Uh, it, it's to, to me, it was a little muffled, but sounded like didn't say she was. And the, the cadence at which she said it would also flow with didn't say she was. So I, I think that's probably what she said. At least you certainly wouldn't be able to use this as any kind of evidence because it is too ambiguous. But I, I heard it as didn't. I was trying not to look at it while I was listening to it. So I wouldn't be influenced by it. Carm, Carm, you don't have to raise your hand. But Carm, um, what's interesting to me is knowing you for as many years as I had and the rest of my family. I just don't think we would ever talk like I I just can never see calling you and saying my lawyer's telling me to do this and this. Don't you see see what she's doing? She's doing a deposition or Mm -hmm. she's doing a legal brief or she's doing some crazy uh, uh, another proof. You know, the, the Shakespearean thing, which I don't know how it goes, that the lady does protest too much. Mm. Isn't it in? Isn't it right here? She she's she's presenting a legal case. Mm. Is mm. that she must have some feelings for her brother? That's interesting. I don't that want to play it again, but I just want to. Well, I guess we have. To, I just want to get the words I up here. But but that's interesting, Carm. I didn't even think about it. Um, my lawyer has advised me, she's talking like a lawyer. My lawyer has advised, and she is a lawyer, has advised me not to talk to my family or anyone else about this case, know uh, about the case, which is true, blah, blah, blah. Um, please do not text me about this case anymore. Wendy is not dumb. Um, she's not as smart as Dan Markell, but uh, Dr. G, she's an yeah. attorney, right? She's an attorney. And Georgia brought up that specific point in during the trial, which was, uh, you know, have you ever talked to Charlie about this? And she was saying, no, my attorney has advised me not to. I mean, this might as well have said, I hope nobody's reading our text messages because I definitely wasn't involved with this. I mean, that's how I read it. It felt very, very specific and very like formulated. So, yeah. But uh, the whole family, these three people are like variations on the same theme. They all have the same weirdness. Uh my 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 new friend, the uh, Philadelphia shoulder surgeon, so hard to say. Wendy, no doubt, has seen all the videos saying uh, get her on perjury, and she's now trying to backtrack and cover herself. As I said, horrible actress. There you go. Um, I just had a question, misdemeanor. OG, Carm is sharp. Carm is as sharp as a tack. I won't I won't reveal her age, but she's somewhere between eighty three and eighty five, and. Uh, in she's the still, middle, in the and, middle. And she's she's still going strong. I just had a question for you, Dr. Joni, and I forgot. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to put this up with the Me Too movement, but I'm going to roll the dice from Al Schmidt. Dr. Joni is gorgeous and smart. Um, I'm really hoping we don't get canceled. If you do, cancel Al Schmidt. Don't cancel me. This is uh, Donna got beat at her own game by Wendy, in my opinion. There you go. Um, Again, just the implosion of this family. It's like a psychological study. This is the last piece of sound, and uh, let's listen to it. And then I got a couple more things, and we'll uh, round this bad. I told you it's going to be the fastest 90 minutes in all of YouTube. Here we go. I've been looking it up over and over. Have things change if there is extradition from Vietnam? Because we, we've looked at all the places. I mean, I could go to Korea and China, but there's no extradition. But we're looking for places where there's no extradition. Oh, really? Good. Maybe she knows about. Maybe she can look up the extradition issue before we waste waste our time. She can tell on you that my parents are in the country. My lawyer told us to do that. Okay, but if you mention it the way we, when you going to tell somebody? Well, you, you tell her beforehand. I need to tell you something as as an attorney who doesn't doesn't talk and has nothing to do with the case. Carm, we'll start with you here. Uh, Carm, if you knew that uh, law enforcement was coming for you between the ages of 83 and 85, would you make a run for it to a non-extradition country? Tell us the truth, Carm. Don't sugarcoat it. I would uh, take a return ticket trip to, um, (laughs) you know, Jamaica, (laughs) and then I would fly from Jamaica. There you go. And by the way, one of the dumbest things, I bought a one-way ticket consciousness of guilt but what do you make of this mom the other the other clip was a joke i hope everybody realizes i tried to be funny i'll be serious now listen the other clip you said it was a mood piece the other one she's killing herself this one she's she's taken off she's leaving her beloved son and daughter and her estranged son behind and and then she discusses when there is a big sign, don't discuss anything because everything is recorded. And now we are just like, it, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Doc, Dr. Johnston, why, why, why did Charlie and his mother talk for 35 hours between his conviction and her arrest on jailhouse calls when the first thing it says is, it's all being recorded and it can all be used against you in a court of law. What is that psychology where people don't understand it or don't, uh, you know, they don't, it, do, it doesn't convey with them? I think it's a couple of things. And, and I guess one thing I should say is it is amazingly common. I mean, it, it is it's always mind blowing to me when I come across conversations like this that have been recorded and there are signs everywhere and every phone call starts with this kind of, you're, make sure you know this is being recorded. I think a couple of things happen. One is there are these just emotional needs that we all have to connect to other people. And when you're in a situation like jail, which is a completely new experience, you are looking for that connection from people. And I think the other thing is over time, especially when you're talking to somebody on a regular basis, it can become, it, it can become easy in the moment to forget that. Not that you're not aware because you hear it every time you're on the phone call, but you're in that moment in terms of you're connecting with that loved person, you're talking and you forget for a minute, okay, what does this mean? Um, And you're right. You think, how can you forget when your life is at stake or your freedom could be at stake or whatever? 
that's the best explanation I have because like I said, it happens. And I think Dr. G would agree with me. It happens amazingly often where yeah. you do think, how, how could anybody forget that under these circumstances? But it does happen over and over again. And I think it's the emotional connection and the, and the, the need to, to share and, and talk about things just overrides people's you know, common sense. And we have Dave Arenberg is the Palm Beach, uh, Florida state attorney. And he says that literally there's people in the office. They just spend all day listening to these calls. They come in constantly and they can be very incriminating. There's someone's mm-hmm. job to go through these mm-hmm. jailhouse calls. Uh, Carm, this one's from you for you. Does anyone from Gretchen, does anyone have thoughts, Carm, about who is actually behind keeping the kids from the Markells? Do you think it was Donna? or Wendy, or both, Karen? I think that it was definitely Wendy, because I don't think that Dana had as much power. I mean, they are, they are, correct me if I'm wrong, but even before, earlier, uh, when, when uh, Dan was, uh, Danny was still alive, uh, in a certain way, uh, Dana was irritating Wendy and and was annoying Wendy in a certain way. In a certain way, they were very close and they were writing emails nonstop and talking nonstop. But on the other hand, uh, Wendy, and I believe this, she said during uh, when she testified that she ignored her mother a lot of the time and did not always follow through like... like uh, uh, Whatever the example was, I think it was even the million-dollar offer. She didn't uh, go along with that. So I think she is the one from the beginning, maybe as a sense of family loyalty to the Adelsons, but she was the one who was keeping the boys from the from the in-laws. Uh, Maui Swift, uh, an OG friend of the show. She's been around forever. There's a comment that I thought was really good here. Where is it? Um, mainly because they're complimenting my mother. Where did that go? And I'm gonna. Don't don't. Uh, I can live without it. Uh, but oh, here it is from Joseph Anthony. I'm gonna come to this in a minute. Uh, this one's from Maui Swift. Wendy has been uh, advising her, her attorney. Her mother is next, so she legally. What's going, on? Doctor G? Can you translate this for me? She's legally covering her butt. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Le- oh, legally it's covered. Okay, I got you. I'm a little slow today. Um, do you agree with that? That she's 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 acting in this capacity. She's basically advising her own attorney. Well, I can, now I have to read it all together again. Hold on. <laughs> it's not it's not as easy as it looks up here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that the, my read on Wendy uh, is that she really is trying her best to to just to 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 cover her butt as much as she can and she like like i said donna's unpre- charlie is impulsive but donna's unpredictable and difficult to maintain i think or diff- difficult to contain i should say so yeah i think a lot of it is covering her butt mm. um there's a question up here from armand fence do these tapes make it more difficult for the prosecutors to get to wendy this is more up the alley of our investigators tomorrow uh, <laughs> no two better than uh, Phil Waters and Scott Duffy. And we'll break down these tapes with them from a an investigative standpoint. In other words, if Phil Waters is looking at these in uh, 
at his office at the Houston PD? Is he thinking that he can bring this to the, uh, you know, the district attorney to press to, to file charges and move forward with the case? Joseph Anthony Carm, I've heard about 50 people comment on this case. Carm is by far the most insight, insightful. No, uh, not throwing shade on Dr. Johnston or Dr. G, but uh, what do you think of that, Carm? I think it's worth being 84 just for this. <laughs> Carm is so insightful. Ski hat Sarah. There you go. Uh, Dr. G, you didn't weigh, on in, weigh in on this. I'm going to play this one more time, a couple things, and then we'll wrap it up. Earlier, this is, hang on, what's this? Earlier in the same conversation, Adelson said they talked to this lawyer, and he told them he never told Wendy not to talk to them about the case. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Go Vikes. Go Vikings. Here we go. Here's this. Uh, Tape one more time. Oh, got to hit play. Hitting play it up helps. over Here and over. Because things change if there is extradition from Vietnam. Because we, we've looked at all the places. I mean, I could go to Korea and China, but there's no extradition. But we're looking for places where there's no extradition. Yeah, in 15 minutes. Oh, really? Good. Maybe she knows about. Maybe she can look up the extradition issue before we waste, waste our time. She can tell on you that my parents are in the country. My lawyer told me to do that. Okay, but if you mention it to Wendy, Wendy's going to tell somebody. Well, you tell her beforehand. I need to tell you something as as an attorney who doesn't doesn't talk and has nothing to do with the case. Looking it up over and over. Was this a hot mic as well? Yes, it is. Okay, so you know, tell me it is. Okay. What do you What do you make of this, uh, Doctor G? A lot going on in here. Well, the first thing that stands out when she says Korea, like South Korea, I believe extradite. So is she talking about going to North Korea potentially? That <laughs> <blows my mind. laughs> I'd rather go to state prison in Florida. No offense. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, I was curious about her judgment, but you know, it, it's. Uh, it, it does show, you know, th this, it, it's fascinating that even, even if she, even if this was a hot mic, you know, the idea that she's talking about these things so openly after her son is in prison, it's just wild to me. Um, but, it, but it, it goes to show once again, maybe she thinks I can talk about going somewhere that's not illegal to, to do. So maybe she thinks if she doesn't say things more explicitly that she's, that nobody's going to think anything of it, but it is. I still wonder how she didn't hang up her phone so many times. It just doesn't like, does she just throw her phone down? I, I just don't understand it. But. <laughs> well, <laughs> Carm, Carm sort of knows that, this. But that's I, right. I can speak to this. She's this an expert. a mystery. You know, you yeah. push the wrong button and voila, you know. Yeah. Carm FaceTimes me a few times a day, and usually I'm staring at a floor or ceiling, and she has no idea that her phone is on. And I tend to post those on Instagram at Surviving the Survivor. So if you ever want to see Carm's ceiling or floor, um, I post those usually a few times a week, if not more. Actually, so that's actually who calls who more. Let's embarrass you a little now. I'm a bit I of a mom because I know he won't pick up the phone. That's all. I'm I'm a bit of a mama's boy. Uh, Dr. Joni Johnson, and I have a couple more questions for Joni, and then we're going to wrap it up. From Tia Bawa, who's a friend of the show and here a lot, from what exactly are they protecting Wendy? Donna guilting Wendy in previous soundbite, we are protecting you or everybody is protecting you. What are they protecting her from? 
Well, I think initially, perhaps they thought they were protecting her from this horrible ex-husband who was controlling their kids and not letting her move to Miami where she wanted to be with her family and those kinds of things, which I think most of us would agree that's not really something that people need protections from as part of co-parenting after you get a divorce. Now, I think it's that's a big question mark. I mean, are they protecting Wendy from her involvement in this? Are they protecting Wendy? I mean, I, I don't know what else that could be. So I think that may have shifted to where things are now. But um, I think in their minds, because, you know, one of the most fascinating things to me about forensic psychology, I think maybe Dr. G would agree with that, is, is trying to understand how people get to the point where they justify taking somebody else's life. And oftentimes the reasoning that they use and the rationale that they use doesn't make sense, logical sense. But when you see the progression of how that kind of manifests itself, it does make some kind of weird sense because it starts out over here and then it ends up way over here. And what we see is over here when the deed has actually happened. And so I, I would imagine in, in their minds, in some way, they saw themselves as saving, you know, Wendy from some terrible thing, when, which is not, of course, at all reality. Uh, Denise D says, Wendy is the most spoiled, arrogant, manipulative, evil person I think I've ever seen. What she's done to her own children and Dan and the Markells is stunning, pure evil. Wendy is an ice queen. Carm's wisdom is the best. Um, and on and on it goes. There was something else I saw here. Um, Dr. Joni Johnston. Charlie rattled off a lot of things on these calls that we haven't played. And he goes on this sort of tangent with a friend of his on a, on a call. He says, I think, actually, I think he's talking to Don at this point. He says, 50% of prisons don't even have air conditioning in Florida. I'm going to go crazy in my suicide cell. This is his, the cell that he's in currently. But they, he says, but they didn't strip me down. He goes, I've only been outside 60 minutes in the last year and a half. Uh, then he continues and says, you know, you know, mom, some prisons are closed. It's like a closed custody. You can't even go outside into the yard. I'm getting claustrophobic in here. And then he says, I'm in shock. I had big plans for when I was out of here. Um, he's still obviously in a bit of denial. Uh, but what about the reality of, you know, prison life? You talked about it. The first year is the hardest. He talks about sushi. He's never having sushi again. He's yeah. never... Uh, doing any of these. He's never seen his dog Bubbles again. I mean, it's it's just destruction on all sides here. It's just the, the destruction of so many lives. It really is. And um, it's it's hard to even describe, you know, what it's like, you know, being there day after day after day, as I mentioned earlier. Um, you're absolutely right. And and like I said, I mean, I, I would not be surprised to learn that there may be um, prisons without air conditioning. I know that we have them here in uh, San Diego. Um, but again, when you have, when, you know, when you have been convicted of a violent crime and, you know, there are consequences and you're not going to get the country club that you might be used to. Mm. So he, I mean, it is not a good place to be. It is not, you know, I think uh, I used to threaten my kids sometimes <laughs> when they were teenagers, you know, <laughs> which, which could never have happened. I mean, I can't just walk into the prison where I was working, but they didn't know that. Um, yeah. But it really is, I mean, it's, it really is hard to describe. It's a world into itself and it's mm -hmm. not, a, it's just not a place to be. Uh, Dr. Um, G, the other day I screamed at my kids. I rarely do this, but I told them to treat their home like it's their home. Was that wrong of me? I called my mother. Is that okay that I did that? 
Sure. And my kids, my kids said to me, but our home is our home. I said, that's my point. <laughs> that's part of, part of growing up is learning to be resilient when people are mad and figuring out how to feel with it, to deal with those kinds of feelings. So sure. It's just part of, part of growing up. Dr. And G, giving up is part of growing up. I might have to go, I'm, I'm going to have to go lie on Dr. G's couch. Um, <laughs> listener says, this is probably the best lesson of the show. The lesson here is not to kill people. Um, Rachel says home is where the heart is, which might be prison now. Um, Dr. G, one other thing here, and I'm going to end with an email I got, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. Once again, I've said that a million times. Charlie implies that he's very upset about Wendy's book. He says it made Tallahassee look terrible. She wrote a fictional book about a situation very similar to hers, Hiawassee Springs. Um, And then he goes on to refer to Tallahassee as a small, big town. And he goes back into this whole thing about what do my mom's emails have anything to do with this case? They're all trying. He said they're trying to frame me in the in the uh, trial. Everyone has their own agenda, a tale to spin. Um, and he says, I really thought I had a shot. I was led to believe I was going to get a fair shake. Mommy says we're going to continue to fight for you, Charlie. It was uh, it was the jury, honey. Donna says. And Charlie says these people effing use the word effing. You know what the word is. Hated me. And Donna says, we're not just finished. Uh, we're not finished. It's just the start. But this, you know, there's a lot to pull from here. But he's really upset with Wendy about this book because he mm-hmm. thinks it basically uh, portended what happened to him. Um, and he's angry at the jurors. But this is sort of where we started. He's angry at everyone but himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people, it, it's hard to explain how skilled people that think like that are at genuinely externalizing everything. You know, they could trip over their own shoes and somebody else would say, you you know, you distracted me or like you you bought me shoes that were too big, whatever it is. Like they will never accept responsibility. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. You can think of a million reasons why every aspect of this is somebody else's fault. Um, Karan, Michael, Hiawassee Springs, the mythical town should have a prison just just for this family, a final, I got an email, Carm, from someone named BWCK, like Buck, but with a W, Buck William. And there used to be a New York, New Jersey Nets player, Buck Williams, that I liked a lot. But uh, this person wrote to me, Carm, and I, and I quote, Donna is going to give up Wendy, mark my words, a narcissist injured. She was angry. Wendy discarded her while Charlie was on trial uh, the phone call on the 7th, at least she'll point the finger to certain text or whatever to confirm George's steps. Do you think that Donna is going to give up her only daughter, Mom? No. I don't think so. I think that she's uh, very hurt. I was thinking of this. Regardless of all the story of the murder and of the, the nine years and everything else, uh when your when your brother was declared guilty uh the decent thing would have been to come over and bring over a pizza or something and you don't have to talk anything uh that you don't want because you think maybe the place is bugged but at least come over and show to your parents that you are their daughter hmm. I mean, just... go ahead Carm. That, I think that would have been the decent thing. The fact not to show up to give support to your your mother is not nice. I'm speaking as a mother representative here. Hmm. 
but uh, if, uh, Donna will threaten Wendy, but won't give her up. There was one comment here that this we always we forget about this, but look at this. Estella Jasmine, respect to Rob Adelson for having the courage to bow out of this hot mess of a family. Not an easy thing to do. What he did, and he's probably living his, you know, I'm sure he's very upset, but he's living, he's going on with his life. Um, I'm sorry, Dr. G, did you have something to add there? Well, I just, I did want to add as far as Wendy goes, and obviously we don't know if she was involved. This is still this is speculative, but if she was, she seems to be extremely anxious about this. And that seems to be the way she handles things. So I think that she would, it, it, it is in such survival mode that she would risk her relationship with her family just in case Donna would say something on accident. I really think she's trying to shut down any possibility of that. So mm. she would she would risk that relationship just to make sure that nothing was said or done. As Carm can uh, publicly attest, I have never been anxious, not a day in my life. So I can't understand what Wendy is going through. The chief says, the COE, we have another show in 15 minutes. Hard to believe we're going to have digital forensic experts on. Um, I hope they can talk because I'm kind of out of talking at this point. Um, I love your mom, Joel. She's a complete sweetheart. COE, put that back up. I'm sorry. Uh, in case you missed it, Gigi from Pretty Lies and Alibis and Mentor Lawyer from Deep Dive True Crime each independently got the audio tapes as Gigi shares some with us. We'll let you know or look out for her uh, videos on YouTube. The bottom line is support Gigi, support Mentor Lawyer. Uh, they're doing the hard work here. And uh, this question, I don't have an answer for. Where'd it go? Carm, do you have an answer for this from uh, Lee Dundee? Joel, the COE is gorgeous. How did you land her? Um, must be my sense of humor, Carm. What do you think? It's your charm, Joel. Yes. Um, love those channels, too. Let's please all support. Uh, the COE says pure luck. That's probably correct. <laughs> um, and there are questions coming in about who's going to flip on who. Um, I cannot thank the best guests. I always say best guests, better community. Dr. Joni Johnston, she's a forensic psychologist, a private investigator and a crime writer. That's pretty cool. And she looks like Ashley Judd. She's the author of Serial Killers, 101 Questions, True Crime Fans Ask. And she hosts her own YouTube channel, Unmasking a murderer. Then you've got the guy with the mellifluous voice, my new MMA friend. Huge fight coming up this weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. 296 coming up this weekend. We will, Dr. G and I will be texting back and forth on that one. He is a PsyD in clinical psychology. Carm, Dr. G also studied uh, the language and culture of South Korea for a decade. I love that about him. And uh, he has the ever popular YouTube channel, Dr. G explains and Carm, the best part about your resume is you're my mother. Uh, Joel, you always forget about Scotland. I will not forget about Scotland tonight until seven o'clock, which is in 13 minutes. Love you, America. Love you, Scotland. Love you, India was in the chat tonight. Uh, Australia, UK, the Republic of Ireland, Canada, Toronto, Canada, Yugoslavia, my mother's home country. Japan. Japan. Gambia was in the chat the other night. We will see you soon. And of course, Tallahassee, Florida. Till uh, 12 minutes.
Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey friends, are you struggling to attract and retain top talent? If you're worried about recruiting and retention, consider Insperity, a leading HR provider. They'll help you improve hiring and compensation practices so you can spend more time growing your business and less time on HR. Visit Insperity.com and download their free ebook on how to build your dream team. Don't let a lack of talent hinder your success. See how Insperity provides HR that makes a difference at Insperity.com. When it comes to teaching kids and teens about money, practice makes perfect. That's where Greenlight comes in. With a debit card and money app of their own, Kids learn to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest. Parents send instant money transfers, create custom chores, and automate allowance, while kids track their spending, set savings goals, and practice money skills they can use today and for life. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com slash podcast.